Cheers to our legal search partners at Chisholm Clark for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Trust Chisholm Clark with your next career move. New Zealand specialist, legal search firm. Tēnā koutou katoa, haere mai, and welcome to this episode of the Water Lawyer podcast. I'm your host, Sam Lindsay, and joining me today is a very special guest. Coming out of St. Margaret's College in Christchurch, she completed a double degree in history and law with first-class honours before being snapped up by the Russell McVeigh Scholarship Programme, which saw her move to the capital in early 2009. She spent the first three and a half years working in Russell McVeigh's general litigation and corporate advisory teams before pursuing an awesome new foundational opportunity with Morrison Mallet. There, she spent the next four and a bit years really crafting her skill set across corporate commercial law, board governance, and capital markets. Thinking that eight years in private practice was sufficient and having a public sector itch to scratch, she decided to pursue a career in-house like a lot of lawyers do at this key juncture. She landed a juicy role as a legal counsel with New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, delivering specialist advice to business units across commercial contracting, leasing, trade, digital, privacy, intellectual property, and compliance. Seeing what value she brings, she was promoted to the Head of Legal and Co-Director of Property and Business Operations two years ago, where she guided a team of three, three lawyers and seven others across different teams in their day-to-day -day operations. Only recently has she landed a new Associate General Counsel role with the Reserve Bank of New Zealand and looking forward to a fresh challenge that that will bring. She's a loving wife and mother of one, a renovator and a real family first person who likes to lead by example. What a lawyer. It's Emma Matson. Kia ora, Sam. Thank you very much for having me today. Welcome, Emma. And thanks for being with us. Um, and uh, for such a juicy topic on private practice versus in-house and your personal experience with it. But before we get going, what's been going on with you lately? Well, I think, Sam, you've probably touched on something that's been looming rather large in our lives for the last sort of eight to ten months we've just completed a big renovation at home uh, and that uh, meant that we had to move out for quite a long period of time and we sort of moved around between Airbnbs and house sitting for friends uh, in the middle of winter which was a bit of a struggle um, <laughs> so we've come out the, the other end of that now which is great and we're back at home uh, our son started school in July, Alexander started school, so uh, he's happily kind of ensconced there. I've joined the board at school, uh, so kind of applying some of my legal expertise uh, and giving back to the school community and trying to um, yeah, settle back into a bit of normality, being back at home, getting back into my garden and spending time with family. Nice one. Thanks, Emma. Now, we learned a bit about you in the intro, but in your own words, before we kick into the main topic, would you be able to take us through your journey so far? Sure. So this is sort of digging back into the archives of my brain some time ago. Uh, when I was at university, well, actually before I joined university in my last year at St. Margaret's, I um, had the opportunity to apply for a Russell McVeigh scholarship, uh, which I was very uh, honoured to receive. Uh, and so that kind of helped uh, guide me through law school, um, attended Canterbury, and uh, as part of that scholarship, I was able to join the Summer Clark program at Russell McVeigh and then join as a grad. Uh, so, um, spent, as you say, three and a half years at Russell McVeigh, which was a, a really great learning opportunity. Uh, wonderful thing about Russell McVeigh is they invest a lot of 
uh, time and training their juniors. And so while I was there, I learned a huge amount about the foundational aspects of legal practice, how to write clearly, communicate clearly, uh, learning a lot of the technical aspects, which is a very important foundation for, for any junior lawyer. Uh, I worked with a, a variety of different partners during that time, and one of them, Matt Mallett, uh, and the uh, corporate team left and, and joined a, a small boutique commercial firm, uh, and we kept in contact uh, while he was making that transition. And then he said to me, oh, Em, look, I've got, a, I've got an opening for an intermediate solicitor. I'd love for you to join us. So uh, I left Russell McVeigh and, and joined uh, Matt and spent six six years with him uh, and it kind of got to the stage where I had to decide do I dig it in and and try and make partner in a law firm or, or do I do something different and uh, over my time period at Russell McVeigh and uh, Morrison Mallet I'd had the opportunity to go on some secondments in-house to support uh, clients and I, I really loved that opportunity and I thought actually this is a cool avenue that I could try that's a little bit different uh, having sort of realized that partnership wasn't the step that I wanted to take so uh, left Morrison Mallet and took a bit of a gamble and took a, a fixed term maternity cover at, at NZTE thinking well look if I don't if it doesn't get extended or come to anything at least I've had a really great opportunity for 18 months to try something new uh, and while I was there, I uh, found I got married uh, and then I found out I was pregnant with my son, Alexander, in the same week that they offered me a permanent position. Oh, so wow. I had, to, I had to sort of own up uh, and say, well, look, actually, that's lovely, but I'm, I'm six weeks pregnant. So very, very early on. Uh, and, you know, of course, being the wonderful employers they were, that wasn't ever going to be an issue uh, and so got made permanent and and spent you know a good a good six seven years there um, in various roles and as you've mentioned I'm now in week three at uh, RBNZ uh, as Associate General Counsel so still sort of finding my feet uh, there. Now for this episode we've decided to explore your experience on the difference between practicing in a private practice environment, an in-house environment, and then an in-house environment with some leadership responsibilities. We had a good chat pre-recording about the best way to do this and, and thought that you know, a day in the life of could be a, an interesting route to take. So therefore, Emma, and remembering this was you know some time ago now, um, <laughs> could you please start by describing what a day in the life of you as a practicing solicitor in private practice looked like? I think every day is different, which is probably a, a rather obvious statement. But, uh, you know, if I was uh, on a deal team, um, that would involve being pretty fully immersed in one particular project. So over the course of a, a day, that might involve jumping on conference calls with uh, clients, um, liaising with more senior lawyers uh, to either check my work or to receive instructions from them to, to do some work. Uh, reviewing documents, drafting documents. Um, if I wasn't on a deal team and was doing kind of more routine and regular work, um, that would involve potentially doing some research on a particular area of law uh, that a client or a, a senior lawyer was interested in finding a bit more out about. Attending trainings, uh, particularly at Russell McVeigh, there was a big investment in training. So um, spent a lot of time learning in a more formal training environment from, from senior lawyers. Um, when I was in 
the litigation team, I spent about six months uh, solidly on a discovery for a very large corporate litigation, which involved me sitting in a room with another colleague and, and uh, reviewing uh, screes of paper uh, for discovery purposes. So, so I guess uh, a day in the life of of a solicitor and law firm can take many different forms and it probably does depend on uh, whether you're on a deal team or a, a litigation team that's working on a particular um, topic. Cool. So a follow-up question then. If you look at the workload in general, what does that look like? can fluctuate. I think any lawyer in any role will understand that. Uh, in a law firm, you're very much, your workloads are at the whim of your clients. So sometimes uh, clients will have something really urgent and last minute that uh, needs to be done. And so your workload will ramp up. And in other times, it might be a little bit quieter. And that would be when you would uh, perhaps attend to less urgent things, doing some own, your own learning or research on a particular topic or, or some administration. So uh, workload would vary. Okay. And let's just say you're in that corporate team and you guys are working on a deal. Um, what does your team actually look like and what might they be doing? So the team would inevitably involve uh, lawyers at all levels. Um, so there would be a partner or a senior associate that would be effectively running the, the deal team. Uh, and then there might be, depending on how big the firm was, uh, you know, a mid-level lawyer and, and a junior or a, a several of those. Uh, the partner or senior's role would be to uh, set the direction of, of uh, what everyone needed to do and by when. They'd probably also be doing some of the doing themselves, but they would have the primary responsibility and be liaising with the client. Uh, the senior, the sort of mid-level lawyer might be uh, doing a bit more doing, but also supervising the juniors, and the juniors would be uh, kind of at, at the bottom there, kind of doing, doing the... Um, more basic, sometimes administrative, but um, uh, support function for the deal team. Yeah. And so remembering that we're still a solicitor in a private practice environment, what does your relationship with your direct supervisor look like? Well, I've been, from a personal perspective, very lucky to have worked with some amazing senior lawyers who I credit for um, giving me a wonderful foundation to move uh, uh, up the ranks from. Uh, and I think that would be a, a piece of advice I would give to other junior lawyers is to uh, surround yourself with really good seniors who are willing to support and mentor you. Uh, so my relationships have been um, very open, uh, collegial and friendly. Um, I would normally be set, would have been set a task. I would go away and, and have a crack at it, and potentially circle back with the, the more senior lawyer to ask questions or to check I was on the right uh, track and then uh, liaise back with them at the end of the task to get them to check it. And then I may end up sending it out, sending the work out myself or, or the senior would do that. Cool. And same question, but your relationship with clients. It varies. I think the, the bigger the firm, um, perhaps, and this is, again, in my own experience from a very long time ago, you would possibly get less direct contact with a client in a big firm. Um, smaller firms, you tend to get that more direct client contact, which is what I really loved when I moved to Morrison Mallet, was I, I really got that opportunity to, to uh, run things with clients uh, myself. 
so yeah, look, it really would depend on on the way that the firm was structured and how they like to run things. Well, look, that's a really good start and gives us a good snippet into you know what private practice looks like. Um, let's move in house now. And generally speaking, what did that look like for you? So I guess a, a slightly different way of working when you're in house. I think the expectation is that you. Uh, run things a little bit more autonomously and perhaps check in less often with your manager, although that does depend on on the size of the team and who your manager is. Um, but, but a normal day in the life is very dynamic in an in-house environment. It would involve uh, attending lots of meetings often and, and giving a lot of advice uh, off the cuff. I think the key difference between being a solicitor in a law firm and, and one in houses that you often get asked on your feet for advice on a particular issue during a meeting and having to sort of be prepared to be able to either have an answer or, you know, be confident enough to say, I think it's this, but um, I'll have to go back and check. So a lot of sort of ad hoc advice during the day on calls, uh, attending meetings, reviewing documents, drafting documents. Um, I think also really important a lot of connection time with your internal clients, building those relationships. So potentially having coffees with with teams that you might work with more often. Um, yeah, so a, a very dynamic and diverse day in the life. Cool. So same set of questions that we asked you about uh, the private practice environment. If we now overlay that into in-house, um, a day in the life, what does your workload look like? Workload, uh, again, like being in a firm, very dependent on what's happening in the organisation that you're working for. So if there's a big project on, your workload will be a lot heavier than uh, at other times. And I certainly found, I have found that in-house your workload can be a bit lumpy. Um, if you've got a big project on, um, you'd be having a lot of calls, uh, spent trying to spend time reviewing key documents and, and spinning those back out to the organization as quickly as possible. Um, in the downtime, uh, you would, as an in-house lawyer, probably spend a bit of time around uh, creating templates, sort of trying to, to make um, access to legal services a lot more self-service for people. So templates are really important in an in-house environment, making sure that people can kind of have a crack at, at um, putting a contract together themselves for legal review or or um, and putting an NDA in place, um, potentially doing some trainings in-house on key areas of law that the business needs to know about. Uh, so trying to fill in, the, fill in those times where perhaps you're not uh, um, dealing with really urgent matters, kind mm -hmm. of some of those administrative things. Cool. And um, what might the team be doing? Again, depends on the on the size of the team. Um, certainly at NZT, we had a, a tiny team. So um, we had uh, three lawyers plus, plus the head of legal. Um, so we would be connecting in very regularly uh, together as a team to kind of allocate work. Work used to come in via uh, a central inbox, but also to team members individually. So there would be a lot of discussion around who's got capacity to take on this, or does anyone know about this area of law? Can you give me a yeah. hand on that? Um, yeah, so a lot of collaboration, a lot of talking together. Cool. And what about a relationship with your supervisor? I gather that might be a little bit different. 
Yeah, potentially uh, you have less oversight from your manager in terms of your day-to-day -day work. I think that the big difference that I sort of realized when I moved in-house was there was an expectation that you got on with your work and, and didn't need lots of checking in. Um, you kind of and were free to run your own. More obvious, the more senior you are as well, right? Of course, of course. Um, certainly, I again, I've had uh, two managers while I was at NZTE, uh, both incredibly supportive. Um, and I think, you know, my approach was that I would sort of involve my manager when things got a bit tricky or things were a little bit uh, higher risk or, or might um, be controversial, kind of letting them know that, that there were things coming down the line that they might need to know about in case they heard about it at a more senior level. So, so a lot more autonomous, I think, yeah. in terms of your relationship with your superior. And I gather this point here might be a bit of a difference as well, but in terms of the relationship that you now have with your client in-house versus private practice, could you bring us up to speed on that? Yeah, I think you create much deeper relationships with your in-house clients simply because you're working with them every day uh, in the same organisation. Uh, so you get to have certainly in my experience, conversations at a deeper level than you might otherwise have if you were dealing with clients who were paying for your time. And what I mean by that is there's the ability to have the chit chat, learn more about the client as a person, who they are, what makes them tick. Uh, and that kind of naturally means that your relationship is possibly a bit deeper than what you might otherwise have if you were working in a firm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Nice one. So that gives us a pretty detailed view across practicing in-house as a in-house counsel or a solicitor in a private practice environment. If we now add the complexity of leadership and people management on top of this in-house practice, um, I'll just blanket this one, Emma. Do you, how does that, what does that look like? <laughs> it's busy, Sam. It's very busy. <laughs> um, I think for me, my focus as a as a lawyer and a manager of people is first and foremost the people. So that was all that has always and will always be my focus. So uh, a lot of my day is spent ensuring that people are engaged and happy, uh, have the work that they want to do that aligns with their development goals and and you know identifying what those development goals are. Um, it involves setting the strategy for the team so that the team know what they're working towards, how what the team does contributes to the, the wider organization's aims. Um, recruiting, uh, that's also a, a, an aspect of the job that takes a lot of time and making sure that we're getting the right people in the team. Um, you're also managing workflows and making sure that the team is working on the right things in terms of the priorities for the organization. And I think being there is an escalation point too, uh, making sure that um, when people are working on things that they know that, that I've always got their back and that, that if it's tricky or they're not sure, they can always come to me to ask. And managing some of those more complicated dynamics that come with boards and senior management, you know, that that I see that as my role to really to to really take that on, let, let the other 
the rest of the team get on with the work and for me to manage those dynamics for them. Mm -hmm. Nice. As well as also doing le legal stuff, giving yeah. legal advice as Actually well. Actually practicing as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's a couple of questions that I've just been writing down during our conversation. Um, you obviously did it going from private practice to go in-house. Now, can juniors start their career in-house? Absolutely. Um, no doubt about it. And I think what a wonderful opportunity as a junior to be able to, to start in-house. I think uh, the, the key would be, I think, making sure that you have a manager that is really focused on your development. It's very easy in-house to get tied up in the work uh, and as a manager and, and not focus enough on, on development. And those crucial development sort of three first three years of a of a um a lawyer's career are really important to get the foundations right so I think you know provided you you're in an organization that really supports learning and development um I think it's a wonderful start a, a, you know in the the broad skills that you learn as a uh an in-house lawyer wearing multiple hats at any one time would be an awesome experience We've so far talked a lot about the positives surrounding private practice and also the positives surrounding in-house. If we were to flip that hat around the other way and let's just say, are you able to talk us through some of the frustrations? Let's say someone going from private practice to in-house, what sort of frustrations might they find? I think the biggest challenge I have found is that when you move in-house, uh, your client becomes your employer. Uh, so your client is, you know, the CE or whoever the, whatever the title is at the person at the top. Uh, so you're, you're trying to balance two competing priorities. The first is doing the right thing by the organisation, following the instructions or the the actions that your employer or the CE wants to take versus your professional obligations and, and what uh, as lawyers our role is is to uphold the rule of law. Sometimes those things conflict um, because you're wearing both hats and, and that can be a really tricky juggle to navigate uh, and one that I think uh, never stops being tricky for an in-house lawyer. You just get a bit better at, at, at managing it and looking mm -hmm. out for the signs of when that, that tension might arise. Yeah. Okay. And there's often this, um, I don't know if it's a misconception or if it's real, that's why we've got you on the show, but sometimes private practice lawyers going in-house um, might be afraid of red tape or, you know, somewhat being caught up in policy and not being able to get stuff done. Um, what's your experience with that? My own personal experience, having worked at NZTE, is that that's certainly not the case. Uh, NZTE were amazing at being able to cut through um, bureaucracy and be able to operate in a really agile manner. And that was, you know, in part due to its kind of crown entity status uh, in the public sector. Uh, so certainly my view is that uh, I've never had problem with red tape. Um, in fact, if anything, you'd had to be careful as the lawyer not to become the red tape yourself in terms of um, being seen to hold things up because of legal complexity. So so it might it's almost the other way around, I think, yeah, in, in okay. my experience. Okay, cool. And if we were to flip that original question around again and say, hey, look, we've got an in-house lawyer who wants to go into private practice, but 
naturally there are going to be some frustrations that that lawyer might find. Um, are you might you be able to comment on what they might find if they went in? Uh, sorry, if they went into private practice. Yeah, I mean, look, not having done the reverse myself, I guess this is sort of uh, hypothetically speaking, not from my own experience, but I think you possibly might lose a little bit of your autonomy, depending on where you, where you move into in terms of the law firm hierarchy. Uh, law firms have their own ways of doing things. I mean, you've got timesheets for a start, which a lot of in-house lawyers don't don't have to account for their time quite as strictly as what, what law firm lawyers do because they're billing clients. Mm -hmm. um, there's possibly also a bit of a less flexibility. Um, as an in-house lawyer, you're able to possibly push back on deadlines and things because you're working with competing uh, business groups in the same organization when someone's paying for your time as an external lawyer in a law firm you don't necessarily have as much flexibility around um, your schedule and when things need to be done so that I could see potentially that might be a source of frustration as well cool thanks for that Emma I appreciate the the insight um Cool. Hey, look, we're going to jump into our quick fire five now. Um, these are obviously the questions you don't know about. So we're really excited to hear your answers. <laughs> so here we go. First one, um, Emma, who is someone that you look up to and why? I think um, I take that from a, a, you know, a work sense, someone who I look up to just because we're on a legal podcast um I've as I've said I've I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of really amazing people uh each of whom I've learned a little bit from um but I think probably easiest to talk about my most recent kind of manager that I've had um who was a general manager a non-lawyer uh who managed me uh and the thing I really liked about him was his empathetic and heart-centered way that he approached leadership and, and that's certainly the way that I like to think that I approach leadership too and I learned a lot about that from him but not what I really admired was that he wasn't afraid of having hard conversations or being really firm with people but he always delivered it in a way that was respectful uh, considerate of the other person and um, appropriate so I think, you know, that's a that's a really important soft skill to learn how to deliver bad or difficult news in a way that's upholds the mana um, of the person that's that's on the receiving end of that. And I think, you know, watching him has helped me uh, refine and develop that skill myself when I'm having no, in those same situations. That's good to hear, especially in someone that leads people, right? I mean, yeah. Often you can get caught up thinking, what am I going to say to this person? But what you actually need to be thinking is, what are they hearing me say? And that's the message that they're going to take away. So that's good to know. Totally. And every every person's different, right? So tailoring that to the person that you're dealing with, what someone else hears from that conversation will be very different to another person. So yeah. tailoring that is yeah. important. Okay, so second question for you is some uh, what is something that you do for you and why? Oh, I like that. Um, I think as a mum, that's 
often the first thing that slips when you're a working mum is doing things for yourself. You're doing things for other people, um, particularly your children and, and your partner. But for me, exercise is incredibly important. Uh, so I try and commit uh, time sort of four to five times a week to either go for a walk or do I do I don't join a gym I, I work out at home so uh, you know videos off YouTube um, weights um, yoga hit exercises that sort of 30 minutes where I can decompress from the day uh, and get that kind of endorphin hit to get me through the evening Yo. why did you choose to specialize in corporate commercial and then obviously take that in-house My dad was a corporate and commercial lawyer, so that was kind of an area of law that I was familiar with and, and knew. I did start my career in, in litigation, but I found for myself um, the oppositional and of, uh, adversarial approach to legal practice that, that litigation brought was not something that I particularly enjoyed. Uh, so I aligned myself with, with the corporate and commercial team because that was familiar to me having had a dad in that area and I just kind of fell into it and, and carried on and I, I love the excitement and and variety that commercial law brings. Nice. What is something that you wish law school had better prepared you for when entering your first role? I was actually having this conversation the other day with some uh, interns that we've got in my team at the moment Oh, yeah. reflecting on their their reflections on coming into a into a, a job over summer versus studying and I think one of them uh mentioned that they wish law school had taught you how to read a contract and I actually absolutely agree with that you know I I, I was summer clerking and got given a contract to read and I had no idea how to read a contract so you learn the theoretical and academic side of the law which is incredibly important to know but practical things like reading a contract which is my bread and butter every day um I wish I'd known a bit more about that mm -hmm. and what is a piece of advice that you would give a young Emma don't be so hard on yourself Emma you're you're good enough being you is good enough um yes you have very high standards for yourself but uh nobody expects those same high standards from you so just look after yourself and and be really proud of what you've achieved well done Emma great piece of advice and and what a note to finish on but before we say goodbye quick thank you to everyone out there getting around this show we're certainly enjoying the conversations and feedback so please keep them coming if you enjoy the show and this episode, please give us a follow. And if you have any episode uh, feedback, please send an email to sam at chismclark.co.nz so that we can produce more of the conversations that you want to hear. And a huge thanks to our wonderful guest, Emma Matson for joining us on the podcast and sharing her experience and the differences that she's experienced between private practice and in-house. What a lawyer, Emma Matson. Kia ora. Thank you, Sam. It's been a delight to chat to you today. Wow, what a conversation with Emma on her experience within corporate commercial law in a private practice setting versus an in-house setting. One of the key themes I pulled out from our conversation, especially around that junior piece entering the workforce, was the importance on having a supervisor that you really get along with, someone that you respect, someone that gives you enough leash, but also can rein you in when need be. 
We talked a lot around the operational differences on a daily capacity uh, when you're working as a solicitor in private practice versus perhaps a legal counsel in-house. And well, again, one of the main themes I pulled out of that was the client interaction and just the sort of on the feet thinking versus lots of training, lots of instruction and, and basically working as required. But I suppose in kind of had a caveat over that in terms of the size of your law firm, your target market, the demographic and type of your clientele, it's obviously all going to be very circumstantial, right? So we always have to take that into consideration when we do discuss and consider all of the feedback and themes that we've pulled out of this conversation. I hope this chat proves useful for those considering starting a career in private practice or perhaps those seeking to move across into a different sector. Um, EMS experience will surely give you something at least to work towards and Hopefully that something is what's missing in your professional world and perhaps you can find it in the other field. Now that's not to say there won't be challenges and frustrations along the way as Em clearly pointed out, but those who don't ask won't find out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the What A Lawyer podcast. All the best out there and tune in for our next episode coming soon. Cheers.